In this episode, we have Kate Perry and Katie Singer. They're both chartered accountants and partners at RBP. They're going to be discussing the next steps that GP registrars may need to take after their qualification this August. They're going to be looking at tax rates, expense claims, and the basic differences between being employed and self-employed. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello and welcome to another episode of Accountancy on Prescription. I'm Kate Perry, a partner at RBP, and I'm joined today by Katie Singer, also a partner at RBP. Hi, Kate. Hi, Katie. Today, we're going to be talking about becoming self-employed. So that's mostly going to be relevant for those of you who've just qualified as a GP. Congratulations. And I'm sure that a lot of you are thinking of becoming a locum. This podcast may also be relevant to those of you who've become salaried GPs after your GP registrar period and have now been lucky enough to be invited to become a partner because you too will be becoming self-employed. Now, Katie, we often speak on VTS courses, don't we? And I think you've recently been to one, haven't you? Yeah, so I did one recently and I normally have like an organised format, but one of the feedbacks I got on one of them was actually I went into quite a lot of techie accountancy detail and I realised that these individuals that were attending the courses actually just wanted the basics, the real fundamentals. So what I did was I said, can you please come up with a list of questions that you want answered? And I think I was sent about eight or nine questions. And actually, they seem to be quite basic, but really, they're all you need to get yourself started. If by the end of this, and I've answered all of the questions that you're going to throw at me, somebody goes away with understanding a little bit more about it, I feel like I've achieved something. So yeah, I was given this list and I thought, well, I've given it to you. So if you just want to ask me the questions and then I can answer them and hopefully just give people a bit more information than they don't have already. Okay, Katie. So the first question is, what is the tax year and how do I know if doing a tax return applies to me? So great question, because common sense would tell you that the tax year would be from the 1st of Jan to the 31st of December, because that's the year. But actually, no, the tax year, the fiscal year, as we call it, runs from the 6th of April to the following 5th of April. Kate, you might know why that is for history purposes. I don't, so I never go into detail. Quite often, and it's some historical reason that now has no relevance, but we've stuck with it. Knowing the tax man, one day they'll throw a spanner in the works and change it, but it's been this way for a very long time, so we're sticking with it. So you need to know that the tax year runs 6th of April through to the following 5th of April. And knowing whether a tax return applies to you or not is fairly simple. If you ever get paid what we call gross, i.e. where tax has not already been deducted from you, then effectively you need to do a tax return. So for some of you listening today, you will have already done a tax return before. And if you have done a tax return before, HMRC will write to you 
pretty much on a regular basis. I think they dispatch their letters on the 7th of April each year saying, hello, it's the start of the tax year. You need to do your tax return again. They'll also write you when your payments are due. So for those of you who've done a tax return before, you'll be in the system, if you like, and you'll know to do one. But if you've never done one before, you will need to let the tax man know that you need to do one. He doesn't just know. And I always think, this is something that I know I never got taught about at school, Kay. I don't know if you did. No. No. No one ever tells me that they do. So they need to bring it into the curriculum. But you are expected to know that you have to register for self-assessment. There is an official link. I don't know what it is. Just Google it. That's the way that everybody finds everything these days. So if you just Google, I am now self-employed. I want to register for self-assessment. It'll take you to the gov.uk link and you can just register there. It's very simple and straightforward. You just need to enter your national insurance number and you put down the date in which you became self-employed. And effectively, all that does is it basically gets you set up so that the tax man knows this individual is going to be completing a self-assessment tax return in the coming future. I think something we also ought to add, Katie, is Firstly, one, if you're sent a tax return, because you can just be sent a random tax return and be asked to complete it. Mm. If you are sent one, you are legally required to complete it. So unfortunately, whether you think it's relevant to you or not, you really must complete that tax return. And the other thing is that you are supposed to register by the 5th of October following the end of the relevant tax year. So I don't know if you want to go into the dates at this point. I'll be honest, I never do. I actually just tell people, make sure you do it straight away. So if anyone's listening and you're thinking, oh gosh, I haven't registered for self-assessment yet. Well, we're recording this in August. We're only in August. Hopefully you're listening sometime soon. So I better pop online and just record. But as Kate said, it's the October following the end of the tax year. So we're currently living in the 22-23 tax year, i.e. the year that runs from the 6th of April 2022 to the 5th of April 2023, 22-23. So you need to register by October 2023. So anyone listening who's just become self-employed, you have got time. But the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to register straight away. You don't pay tax straight away. It's not like being employed where tax just automatically gets deducted from you. You only pay tax. And we will come on to more about physically paying the tax later on in the year once you've completed a self-assessment tax return. But just letting HMRC know that you're going to have to do one is the first step. So I think if people qualified effectively this time last year, you're still in time to register. So I know it can take some people a while. They keep thinking, I must do it, I must do it. And a year goes by and they haven't done it. So those of you who are listening to this and actually qualified last year and started locuming last year, you're still in time to do that registration. So please don't panic. So you mentioned there, Katie, the difference between being employed and self-employed. So employed, we know taxes deducted at source. Perhaps you'd like to explain the difference and being self-employed. Yeah. So what that means is when you're employed, when I say deducted at source, effectively, it means that your tax has been taken away from you and paid over to the tax man by your employer before you even receive it. So for those of you who are employed or have been employed, you get a pay slip at the end of the month and you see your gross salary on the left-hand side of the pay slip and you see your net pay, what actually goes into your bank account on the bottom right-hand corner. And that is the money that you 
take home, you can spend, of course, because the tax has already been paid over to the tax man on your behalf. That isn't the same when you are self-employed, because as I've touched upon, the tax man doesn't necessarily know how much you're going to earn. Just because you earn something one month doesn't mean it's going to be the same. So there is no function of having anything automatically paid over. You have to collate all of your income and all of your expenditure, we will come back to expenses, don't worry, over the full year. And then at the end of it, you put all that information together onto a self-assessment tax return. And that is how an accountant or yourself or however you choose to do it will calculate how much tax is going to be paid over. Something that is really, really, really important if you are self-employed, it is your responsibility to keep a record of all of your income and expenditure. If you don't, you're not going to be able to record it or pass it over to the tax man correctly. So please, please know that the responsibility is on you. When you're employed, you don't have to do anything. Your employer does it all. But if you're self-employed and you're going to be locoming, et cetera, you must, must, must keep your own records. So I think, Katie, there you were talking about claiming expenses. So what are the sort of expenses that uh, people who are self-employed can, can claim? And what we mustn't forget, of course, is there have, in fact, been expenses that being employed will allow mm. you to be able to claim. So, And you can go back and claim those expenses that you haven't claimed in previous years. So we need to explain perhaps how to do that too. Yeah. So I always start with employed first as I find it so much easier because it's so much more simple. So when you're employed, really the only thing you usually claim for are your professional subscriptions. So your indemnity insurance, for example, if you pay that personally, you can claim that back as an expense. Usually when you're employed, you don't need to do a self-assessment tax return to do this. Kate, you might be more familiar with the process. I believe you can just write to the tax man or there is a way of just declaring a single expense. Is that right? Now there's a, a form that you can mm. complete and submit now. Very straightforward. I mean, to be honest, most things are online now. It's the way we're moving into 2022. Everything's online. There is always forms online. You just, they're normally PDF forms that you type the numbers into and then you submit them to HMRC. It's quite straightforward. So it'll be your professional indemnity insurance. And the only other thing generally with employed are your exam fees. Now, let me get this right. I think it's one of the RCGP. Yeah. Yes. Now, it's funny for us as accountants because we have this rule that if something gives you letters after your name, you can't generally claim for it. That's what we've always said. But there is a bit of a loophole and exception to the rule where you can claim the cost of that RCGP exam. And I know for a fact that, again, there's a form on the RCGP website that you can download to complete and submit. So they are the two things as an employed individual you should always be looking to claim if you have paid them personally. If you're in a fortunate position that you're employed, and your employer pays your MDU for you, then no, you can't claim that because somebody else is paying that on your behalf and they'll be effectively claiming the tax relief. Only one person can ever claim tax relief. However, if you are self-employed, the tax man is far more lenient. You can claim a far wider range of expenses. Now, for people who are listening and may choose to want to have an accountant and are thinking RBP might be able to assist, we actually send out a form 
each year to our clients with a nice little list. And basically, it's a, a list of words and next to them, you put your numbers down. So things like you can claim motor expenses. And by that, we allow or the taxman allows a business usage of your car. So traveling from your home to your locum site. Now, I must stress here, this is assuming that you're an ad hoc locum, that you will go to different sites every day or every other day or however you're locuming to do home visits, etc. So using your car for that kind of work. You can also claim your home telephone, your mobile telephone, home internet, a business percentage of it. So it won't be the entire bill. Well, you'll put down the entire bill, but the accountant or yourself, you'll claim a business percentage. There's other things on there. I think books, if you've bought any medical journals, actually, to be honest, nobody buys books anymore. It's all online subscription. So I think, what are the big ones? GP Online and Pulse. I don't know what people pay for, but effectively those online subscriptions you can claim those costs back. Just because they're online doesn't mean you can't have them. One that always makes me laugh is you can claim for professional dry cleaning. So if in the purpose of your job, you get some blood or some vomit on you, you can claim that cost. What you can't do is claim all of your dry cleaning. And when you have an accountant, they will ask you to put these numbers down. If they think that the numbers look unreasonable, then we will contact you and say, um, you've claimed a thousand pounds for dry cleaning cleaning, you can't just claim all of your suits. It can only be when you've actually needed to do it for medical purposes. Things that you can't claim, I should mention, glasses. So if you wear glasses in your usual day-to-day, -day, you can't claim for purchasing new glasses. I know you need them for work, but you're just not allowed to. The same goes for food, lunch, etc. You have to have food to live and therefore you can't claim that I needed to eat lunch while I was at work, well, you'd have needed to eat lunch anyway. And the other one that we don't generally claim for is clothing. If you have a specific uniform that you have to purchase, i.e. your doctor's surgery that you work for has an emblem on a jumper, you know, a logo, then yes, you could claim that as a uniform. But your normal clothing, you cannot. I don't think there's any other. Have I missed any major expenses, Kate? I can't think of any. Oh, computer expenses, mm. perhaps we ought to mention. Yes. A lot of people are working from home, so you can claim the use of the internet if you do invoicing video, at home, video consultations, mobile phone, if you're using your phone for consultations as well. So again, all these things that have a personal use element, you need to ensure that you only claim the business element. So just to give a guide, we'd probably be looking at for a locum, their car use might be up to about 50%. Mm. So if we've got any potential partners perhaps listening, probably a partner because what you can't do is claim your journey from home to a, what we call a normal place of work. So a partner obviously has a regular place of work, the surgery, so they can't claim that journey. And then the other thing is if you're a locum and doing, say, maternity, a long period of maternity cover or a sabbatical cover, and that's say six months, you wouldn't really be able to claim that journey either because for that mm. six months, you would actually have a normal place of work. So you wouldn't be able to claim that. So we'd probably see 20% for a partner in practice. And as I say, 50% for any range, but it depends whether you, what you're doing. So a lot of our clients say, I don't know whether you get it, Katie, where they keep saying, well, what's an average to claim? It's very difficult to say because if you happen to have 
you're living down here and your family lives in Scotland and once a month you drive up Scotland and back to go and see them, then obviously it's going to skew your personal use. Mm. So you do need to keep a rough gauge, but there's no requirement to actually list your mileage down. It can be helpful to do it for a couple of weeks just to give yourself an idea of what what travelling you're actually doing. Yeah. One thing I will say is when I'm often asked about what you mean by claiming expenses, I think there's a bit of a misconception that if you spent, I don't know, £20 a month on your phone bill, that at the end of the year, the taxman gives you that 20 quid back. It's not that. It's that you just get to reduce your income by that 20 pounds. And then in turn, that reduces your tax bill. So it's not like you just get 20 quid back. You get effectively your tax rate of 20 pounds back. So some of the numbers are small. You know, sometimes people say, oh, is it worth claiming expenses? And I think, well, okay, fine, 20 pounds a month. It's not a huge phone bill, but across the whole year, and it's going to reduce your tax bill wouldn't you rather pay less tax if you didn't have to? That's what I always think. So you may as well tell us what your what your expenses are or at least record them for HMRC purposes. And again, we as accountants will know what will be reasonable and what wouldn't be reasonable to claim. The other thing to say is you should be keeping receipts for all these things. If you don't have a receipt or you lose a receipt, that doesn't mean you can't claim it as long as the claim and your accountant deems it to be reasonable. And you need to keep those receipts for about six to seven years. So that's quite important. The other thing I also say, I don't know whether you say this, Katie, which is sometimes it's useful to get another, if you like, business credit card, if you're able to do that, put all your motor expenses, anything you buy on the internet, all on the same card. Then you have a nice, neat summary at the end of the year, all on your 12 monthly statements. And it does save a bit of time in gathering your information together. I don't. That's really useful. I know a lot of locums, and again, some of you listening who are thinking of becoming locums, there are specific software packages that you can download. I mean, I hope we don't get done for advertising here, but the one I know of is Locum Organizer. I know lots of individuals use that. My Locum GP is another one. Fine. So there's these softwares out there. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm old school. Setting yourself up an Excel spreadsheet does exactly the same thing as well. All I'll say is you record, whoever's listening, you record your income and expenditure, how you find the most reasonable and how you understand it. And then an accountant will definitely understand what they need to do with that data at the end of the year. Just just make sure you're keeping a log somewhere. A bag of receipts isn't as good as having it on a spreadsheet. I was just about to say exactly the same thing. We don't want a shoebox of receipts and have to sort through it. So keeping a summary as you go along is really the right thing to do. So talking about this income and expenditure then, when should uh, people be thinking about preparing that information? Yeah, so doing your tax return. So as I've mentioned, the tax year runs from the 6th of April to the 5th of April. So we're currently living, as I said, in 22-23. You can't do your tax return any earlier than the end of the financial year, because even if you know, oh, you know what, I'm not going to work for the rest of the year, I'm actually going to earn nothing. It doesn't matter. There's there's no facility to do so. You have to wait till the tax year tips over. So the very earliest you can do your tax return is going to be on the 6th of April for this year, 2023. Now, even the most organised of people are probably not doing their tax return in April. But what we always advise is the best time to do your tax return is within a few months of that starting date. So sometime in April, May, June, July, somewhere in that window, you want to be getting 
all of your records together. Now, some records may take a bit of time to come through, especially if you have a mix of employment and self-employment, because some people will. Some of you listening today will be salaried for two days a week and locum for two days a week. So you might need to wait until your March payslip or your P60 drops into your email box, which might take a month. So you might not be able to do it straight away, but definitely within a reasonable time frame. Now, in terms of when you pay the tax, it's not till quite a bit later. So this is where we're going to start getting a bit more technical because with the financial year end being the 5th of April, so for example, the year we're living in is going to be the 5th of April 2023, the tax you generate on this financial year, you actually won't be paying it until January 2024. That's absolutely ages away. But the reason why we always recommend you do your tax return within a few months of the year end is because then you've got absolutely plenty of time to make sure you've got enough money saved away to pay it in January. You don't need to pay the tax man early. He doesn't expect you to pay it before January. But you want to know if I tell you in June 2023 that you've got 10 grand to pay in January 2024, you've got plenty of time to get there. If you don't prepare your tax return until the 10th of January 2023 and you've got 20 days to scrabble together the money, which if you're disorganized and haven't done your records, etc., you might have been disorganized with your savings, then you're going to be in a bit of a panic situation. So we'd much rather you do your tax return as early as possible to give yourself the best chance to ensure that all the money is there. And what about saving for tax? Because I think that's quite important. So you say there's a, this long delay right through to January 24. I mean, a, a locum listening to this now might might start locuming on the 1st of September 2022. So that's a long time. Mm. Mm. So what's the best way of making sure that the tax is available to pay next January? So... I think it's probably appropriate that I come on to tax rates, but effectively, I always say save around 30% of your income for tax purposes. So let's say you're invoicing at the end of the month and you've received, I don't know, five grand, save 30% of that away in a ideally separate savings account. Most of you listening will have a bank current account. I don't think for a normal bank current account, there's ever any charges. If you set up an additional savings account, you can very quickly and very simply, especially if you use online banking, transfer that 30% into your tax account. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Don't get excited about it building up. Just, just don't look at it because it's a long time. As Kate just said, September 2022 to January 2024 is near on, what, 18 months? It's a very long time. So you're going to, by the end of it, have a nice chunky amount of money in there, which is perfect because you're going to have a big tax bill to pay. So you always do need to not get excited by seeing that money building up because the first few years of being self-employed, it does sort of take a couple of years to even out. Your first tax bill, and I'll come back to why, will be rather large and then it might start to even out as you go through the life of being self-employed. But you do need to make sure you save enough. So why do I think you should save 30%? Well, tax rates. So again, if you're employed, you've probably never even thought about it because the money gets deducted out of your pay packet and you just assume that it's correct. It usually is correct. Uh, I don't think many people check it. But when you're self-employed, you will need to kind of 
understand how you pay tax. So for those of you listening, I'm just going to speak on the assumption that most of you will be earning under 100,000 because, you know, the tax man likes to complicate things. If you do earn over 100,000, things do start to change. So I'll just go on the assumption for now that you're all under 100,000. So effectively, the tax rates are as follows. The first £12,500 a year that you earn is tax-free. It's called the personal allowance. And everyone in the UK is entitled to it if you earn under 100,000. So 12,500 pounds that you earn is taxed at 0%. Then your earnings between 12,500 and 50 grand are taxed at 20%. When you earn over 50 grand, you're taxed at 40%. So that's why we say save 30% because you're going to be some at null, some at 20 and some at 40. You always want to have a bit more rather than having, you know, not enough. So that's what you need to remember. Some at 0%, 20% and 40%. If you are fortunate enough or highly earning enough to be earning over 150,000, then you will start paying tax at 45%. And I should stress that it's not all of your taxes paid at 45%. It's just the top level. It's just over 150 is taxed at 45%. So very quickly, because I don't want to have to overcomplicate it, but if you are listening and you do fall in the bracket that you're earning over 100,000, just be aware, the simplest way of me explaining it is, for every two pounds over 100,000 you earn, you lose one pound of your personal allowance. So by the time you get to about 127,000 pounds of earnings, you have lost that 12 and a half grand personal allowance. And it's not a great position to be falling in because if you do lose that personal allowance, you, you pay an effective rate of taxes tax of 60%. So ideally you want to earn under 100 or earn over 127,000 because once you've lost it, you've lost it. But you don't really want to be falling in that bracket just as something. But again, I don't necessarily think it will apply to that many of you at this current moment in time. And one thing I will just mention while I'm talking about it is when we talk about earnings, when I talk about that 100,000, it's, especially if you're locums or you're self-employed, it's your earnings less your expenses being 100,000. So it's if you're if you know that you've made I don't know 110,000 locuming but your expenses were 10 grand then you're still under the 100,000. So you just have to take away that it's after you've adjusted your income that's the number we're talking about. Okay Katie, thank you for that. So we're talking about tax so we now know how it's calculated but perhaps more specifically how is that amount going to be calculated for a particular tax return? And when does that tax get paid? Because, of course, we know that the first payment of tax is sort of a double up and you're sort of paying 18 months tax all in one go. And then once you've gone through that first stage, it then settles down and you pay twice a year. Perhaps you can explain that. Yeah. So, I'm a visual person and I struggle with this bit without having a slide or a way of 
seeing this. So in the description box of the podcast, we'll actually have a link to the website where there is actually a slide showing the dates and the amounts of paying your tax. But effectively, your very first tax bill, you will pay in January, in the January. That's how it's always going to be. Like I say, you don't have to pay it early, you'll pay it in the January. So I'm just going to use easy numbers. So let's say your very first tax bill is going to be £20,000. So we've, well, you've collated all of your income and your expenditure and you've worked out but based on the tax rates, it's £20,000. So you're going to pay £20,000 in January. At that same time, you are going to pay, this is why the slide is really useful, 50% of next year's tax up front. So let's pretend that we're talking about this year that we're living in. In January 2024, you'd pay 20 grand plus half up front for next year. So 20 grand plus 10 grand, which is half of 20 grand up front for next year. So actually in the January, you're not just paying your full balance of 20, you're paying half of next year's, which is 30,000. And that's why I say it's such a bumper amount. And if you were listening earlier and you were switched on, you'll remember that I mentioned that if you did start, or Kate mentioned it actually, if you did start locuming in say September, 2022, but didn't have to pay tax until January, 2024, that's 18 months of working. Therefore, 18 months of tax saving, i.e one and a half times a year's worth of tax, which is what you're going to pay in January. You're going to pay the full year, 20 grand, and half of next year, 10 grand. So as long as you save, you should have enough. So you've paid the full balance and you've paid your first, we call it a payment on account. Then you pay the second upfront payment in the July. So 31st of January, first payment, 31st of July, second payment. The idea behind that being by the time you get to the following January, which for us would be January 2025, in theory, you've paid your 20 grand of tax upfront already. There isn't anything else to pay. In reality, nobody ever actually earns the same amount of money every single year. For those of you listening, if you've only just started locuming, well, you're only working for half the year. So it could be that your first tax bill is 20 grand, but your second year where you've worked for the full year is 40 grand. So of course, you're going to have a further balancing payment in January 25, and then your payments on account will be half of the previous year. And that carries on and on and on. Okay, thanks, Katie. So what I do know a lot of the trainees I speak to ask about is what if I stop becoming self-employed and actually get a full-time salary post? What, what do I do about that? Because obviously I will have been paying my tax, but as a salaried GP, I'm going to have the tax deducted at source. So what happens then? Yeah. So in that situation, you can reduce your payments on account. If you know that in the coming year you're fully employed, then you don't need to pay the tax man up front for the coming year because you've already paid it at source. The complexity behind it is more if you change mid-year because you may have already paid some up front and you may be, the tax man may expect you to be paying a second payment. So I would always in this situation speak to your accountant. They will reduce it to a reasonable level. We don't often recommend that an individual reduces it straight away down to nil. 
because if you do end up underpaying any self-employment tax, then there are some charges and interest that that goes on top. So we always try and err on the side of caution. But yes, if you knew, let's say, for example, you knew for the coming whole tax year, you were wholly employed, you just reduce those payments on account and you don't need to worry about paying tax up front to the tax man. You can even go as far if you know that you're not going to need a self-assessment tax return full stop. You just advise the tax man, I'm fully employed. I don't need a self-assessment tax return. Effectively, please don't send me a reminder. And then again, you'll go back to what we spoke about at the beginning. If you do start locuming again, you'll just need to update the tax man that you're going to be needing a self-assessment for the coming year. Having said that, Katie, of course, if the tax man does send you a tax return anyway, unfortunately, you still have to do it again, even if you don't think in theory you need to. If you're sent one, you always have to complete it. So what if I actually forget to do my tax return or do it late or pay the tax late? What is the situation then? And do I need to be worried about it? So yes, I do think you should be worried about it. But because everyone listening today is going to take all of our advice, they're going to be doing their tax returns in the summer. No one is going to fall into this category. But if you're listening, and it might be the case that you are listening now, and you're a little bit panicked because you now realise you were supposed to do a self-assessment tax return, my advice would be just get on and do it. Don't leave any more time. But effectively, if you miss that 31st of January deadline, you get an instant, i.e. if you don't do it, you don't file your tax return, you get an instant. £100 penalty. Then if you don't actually physically pay the tax by the end of February, then unfortunately interest starts to tick over. I think it's four or five percent and it will continue to be charged. What that is actually, Katie, it's late paid tax starts being charged interest from the 1st of February. But if you still haven't paid anything by the end of February, there's an additional five percent surcharge on top of the ordinary interest. So there's an extra surcharge. So I think the thing to take away from this podcast is don't forget to save for your tax and make sure you pay it on time. Funnily enough, what some of my clients sometimes say is, well, can I pay it in advance? And my answer to that is never pay the tax man money in advance. I would never choose to do that. And in fact, if you do overpay what they expect, very often there's an automatic refund And sometimes that can get complicated because checks can be addressed wrong or or they can repay the wrong amount. So don't overpay your tax if you can help it. Yeah. And and it might be the case that, you know, we do see often self-employed locums are in a refund situation come the end of the year. Let's say, for example, I'll use a rather sexist example, unfortunately, but let's say you're a female GP and you've worked for a whole year and then you go on maternity leave, you're going to have only worked for maybe three months of the following financial year. So you will have overpaid your payments on account and you may not have known that you could reduce them. By the end of the year, you're going to be in a refund situation. So the tax man will give you the overpaid tax back into your bank account. Yeah, there is no point it's sitting in the taxman's bank account. It's not gaining any interest there. It's not really gaining any interest in your own bank account, but it's more than nothing. So yeah, definitely don't overpay the taxman. So really, Kate, I think that's it. We've got through our list of questions. Hopefully those of you listening have taken a few things away from this. Ultimately, as Kate just said, just make sure you register for self-assessment, you collate all your information, you save your money for tax and then make sure you pay that money over and do your tax return and do not miss any deadlines. Please put diary notes in and reminders in. Yes, the tax man will write you letters, but make sure you are being organised yourself as well. Okay, well, I think that wraps it up then, Katie, for this time. 
So we'll say goodbye and thank you for joining us. And if you did enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.